0: House of Cards chapter 43 is over, and so is Meacham, and we're just getting started here on the House of Cards post-show recap, and now, here are the two guys whose podcast plane is in no jeopardy of running out of fuel. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Acting
1: Vice President Zach Brooks. Rob, I think I want to do this podcast, but I'm not sure. I I might not, but I might... (laughs) Um I I can we hang up for a little bit and I'm just going to go back to my room Stop and, and really think me. about it. Yeah, I just I just I don't, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> it's, it's my, my day, day, day off, off.
0: yeah. <laughs> oh
1: boy. Wow, uh, and I, I'm so excited to talk about this episode with you. I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> yeah, no, so this excited. was
0: the one that there was a lot of buzz about. Oh, episode four, episode four, episode four. So we went in with high expectations, but maybe even those expectations had been exceeded. I had saw even from Friday, Mashable was tweeting about episode four is the one you have to watch. It's the one to talk about. So here we are and uh, a lot going on to so update. Our top stories at this hour: Secret Service agent Meacham is dead. Ugh! I won the death draft, though. Yeah. All right, you got that right. President Underwood is in critical condition following surgery. Ugh. Yeah. So intense. Donald Blythe is the acting vice president of the United, acting president of the United States, and he's about to make a major announcement, which we are probably being led to believe that. Claire Underwood is going to be made acting vice president? Yeah, yeah I mean, throw the Constitution out the window. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> so a lot to do. And then this whole Milliken plan, Milliken is going to China. Not really sure what the repercussions of that are gonna be, but that doesn't sound like the best idea I've ever heard. So a lot to unpack here today in our chapter 43 recap and uh very pumped up to talk about this i finished watching the episode about 15 minutes ago
1: yeah and i watched it yesterday so i've been sitting on this thinking about it for a little while and i'm pumped
0: very excited to uh, unpack all of this and of course we will get to your comments a lot of questions came in about this episode but let's just pick it up here at the top and so R.I.P. Meacham, as Alex Wilpon had sent an email about this with a big crying emoticon. Zach, you called this in your death draft that Meacham would be the one to go. What is your eulogy here for Meacham at this hour?
1: I mean, he served the president well. He's an American hero. Uh, He's a House of Cards hero. But I'm going to miss him. He was a good, solid, you know, a, a glimpse into the Secret Service that we don't get we don't know who any of the other secret service guys are and i don't know if we'll get a new lead circuit secret service guy but uh i'm pretty excited that we got such a such a crazy episode but i am sad it's very bittersweet to to lose Meacham.
0: it is very sad and maybe the most tragic thing in the show if you're frank underwood the one person who loved him unconditionally the one person who was just gracious for the opportunity to be by his side is now gone. The one person that truly cared about him is gone. And he did get a scene an emotional. I don't know if it was emotional, but he did get to sort of take a bow in his moment where president Underwood drew his hand on the wall. They will not be soon painting over that.
1: Yeah. I, I wondered if they were making like a hand Turkey at
0: that point. I was like, what is he, what is he tracing his hand on the wall? That was really weird. Any symbolism of Meacham's hand being traced before being
1: shot? Is that Meacham's like uh, the Hollywood, the celebrities in Hollywood that put their hands on the sidewalk? Yes, Is that it's like the Hollywood version Walk of, of, of Fame. fame.
0: Yeah. yeah. And did Meacham have small hands? Can we take anything away? Did you think that Meacham has small hands? Trust me, oh, there. They're, yeah, they're they're fine. There's nothing to complain about. He's getting yeah. no complaints about those hands. I'd need to see him compared to Donald Blythe's hands to really <laughs> know. Who's got the small hands. Okay. And so we have Meacham that, uh, he is gone at this hour. And again, it was Chekhov's bullet for Meacham because I have, we have extensive research on this show. We always are on top of the ball. We go back, flashback to season three, episode eight, and the conversation that was had at the white house between Meacham and yates do you remember this zach
1: i was trying to remember the conversation because i was pretty sure that we said at some point last season meacham's going to take a bullet for frank and he's going to
0: prevent an assassination so the conversation that was had back in season three was back at the point there was always tension between meacham and yates and so meacham and yates were sort of like sitting there at the white house and they were waiting around for frank and Yates asked Meacham if he reads, and uh, Meacham, I forget if he said yes or no, but basically uh, Yates kind of was uh, sort of disregarding Meacham, and Meacham says to Yates, hey, don't F him over, hmm. okay? And then Meacham accused Yates of feeling that the, uh, the, the president is foolish, and Meacham told Yates, I wouldn't take a bullet for someone who was foolish.
1: Yeah, and I mean that was you know Chekhov's line delivery there. If you wanna, if you wanna call it that, um, and I, I wonder if other people predicted this too. I'd like to know in the comments or on Twitter if people saw this coming that Meacham was gonna uh, be killed. Maybe don't tweet that Meacham is killed just to not spoil people, but um, just let me know yes or no if you saw it coming. Yeah. So give
0: people a hashtag of. Uh, <laughs> Check off yes or check off no? Yeah, I think that that works. <laughs> or I was going to say me, me
1: check off. Me check off? Yeah. <laughs> or me Just check kinda, on? It says, yeah. Oh, yeah, it works. Me check on, me check off. Which is which? <laughs> me check on means that you predicted that Meacham was going to take a (laughs) bullet for Frank. Meacham off means you were off this bandwagon and you didn't see this coming.
0: So Meacham is uh, no longer with us. And again, that probably if we're going to uh, do the full on eulogy of Meacham, I guess the highest high in the Meacham storyline had to have been back in season two, episode 11, during the now infamous Three Chum.
1: Oh, definitely. That was his... Uh, his swan, not a swan song, but his, his moment of glory, his perfect dive. I mean, that was, that was a really great moment for Edward Meacham. Okay. I have two theories for you. Yes. Um, that, to go with this. So one is something that I've been meaning to bring up on the podcast and and I thought I'd have a little bit more time and I clearly didn't. Um, we're Just seeing like a lot of, yeah, exactly. Who knew? Ran out of time. So we're seeing a lot of Dallas this season. Um, with Claire being down in Dallas, and maybe it 's because i 'm watching eleven twenty two sixty three but I wondered if Dallas was kind of a hint that there was going to be an assassination attempt coming
0: I personally, I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but it 's possible. I mean that they have established from way back when that Claire is from Texas but I think we'd probably have to see if there's more to that. But I mean, it, it is a possible theory. I, I probably would say I'm more out than in on it. But yeah, I'm just kind of mixing all the shows
1: together with 11:22:63 63 and House of Cards and um, coming up with my own Oliver Stone conspiracy theory. <laughs> yes. Yes. Was there a second gunman? Yeah. I mean, uh, we saw one and it, it was very I only watched it once, but it was very kind of hard to follow how that whole situation played out.
0: Yeah. Well, actually are we burying the lead also Lucas also dead at this hour? Yeah, no, I was fine. Burying that lead, bury the lead, <laughs> bury Lucas. Let's, uh, let's now, In our last episode, uh, Johnny Severa wanted to know, over under Lucas dead by episode six. We both took the over. We said he was this season's Rachel, but how do you like house of cards getting rid of Lucas so quickly by the fourth episode of the season? He is out of the picture
1: bravo and for a netflix show that can't get kind of live feedback from the audience to know oh this character's not working we got to get rid of them uh they knew the, their audience and they got rid of him quickly so
0: okay so job. i think that this is going to be a major problem for dunbar and i wrote in my notes that maybe dunbar is d-o-n-e E. bar at this point, because that she had the conversation with the attorney general about Lucas Goodwin and maybe, oh, maybe we should listen to him. She met with him in person. Then there was the conversation that they told Seth about Lucas Goodwin. So this is so much going to get back to Dunbar.
1: Wow, I actually did not even put that together. I thought the opposite. I was like, all right, well, now Dunbar is going to take the mantle of investigating Zoe Barnes and Pete Rousseau, and we're just going to see this dragged out further and further. Uh, But I like your idea a lot better. I think that's really exciting.
0: I mean, could you imagine if one of the presidential candidates was assassinated and then it came out that like two days before one that the person that assassinated a candidate like met with Kasich somewhere like that would look really, really bad for a candidacy?
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess I didn't think that they would be able to really trace that. Um, because he's using a different, well, I guess they know his, his fake name. Yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, I mean, it, that's definitely possible. And I think that would be really interesting to see that play out. Because the Dunbar chief of staff had the conversation with Seth where she mentioned it. Plus also Dunbar also called the attorney general to sort of corroborate that story once they start trading names around. So that's where I think that Dunbar is going to ultimately have slipped up. We talked about how she seemed like she had this sort of perfect record. But I think that this is going to be her Waterloo here with once Frank gets better and we see that she had some connection to this guy.
1: Yeah. And we said early on that, you know, we didn't want it to just be kind of a boring primary where it's like Frank's down in some precincts and then he gets some states back and and he just wins over the over the vote. We said that's, that's not what's going to happen on House of Cards. It's got to be a little bit more interesting. So uh, this causing the end of Dunbar would definitely fit in that category of interesting.
0: In fact, I think it may not even be her Waterloo. I think it may, in fact, be her Water Lucas. Ooh,
1: Water Lucasgate. gate? <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe maybe we'll see let's see what how we feel at hashtag time (laughs) yeah i got that written down (laughs) okay so let's talk about claire now and i think that this is also a very complicated scenario that should she become acting vp now under donald blythe is she not incentivized for frank to not make it zach yeah, I mean this
1: is I think this is a great opportunity for Claire. I think she is seizing the moment, uh carpe diem and she is she is ready to turn over the table on this whole situation with Frank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what is the better scenario for Claire? Because I could see it going both ways. Is it that she is a shining star during the Blythe administration and then Frank gets better and it's like, oh, I guess that Claire might have been a good vice president all along. Maybe uh, she's turned the American people around. Or is it better for her for Frank to pass away and that Blythe continues and she is the vice president under Blythe? And then this paves the way for her to run in 2020. And then she can become the president for a full eight years.
1: I mean, I don't think that she is interested in running in 2020. She wants it now. Um, She's, you know, if she was interested in waiting, this whole situation wouldn't have happened.
0: Well, this would be quite a leap for her to get to be president in 2016, unless then she's going to then either play Frank Underwood and get Donald Blythe indicted or then knock off Donald Blythe.
1: Well, is Donald Blythe going to run for president then? I would think so. I mean, so so our new primary dunbars out of the picture. Frank's out of the picture. Our new primary is Donald Blythe versus Claire Underwood.
0: Well, I don't know if Claire Underwood is going to be running in the primary. I think that she's going to be the acting vice president. Then Blythe would sort of take over the Underwood campaign. And I think that he would be seen as sort of the champion of the martyred president Frank Underwood who has the blessing of Mrs. Underwood who is highly popular I think that Blythe would be a very exciting candidate for the people that would be sort of like emotional about the president who was assassinated. And then if he wins the election, then Claire Underwood has four years to sort of prove herself to the American people and could be in poll position for 2020. I mean, she told Leanne just like two episodes ago, hey, give me 15 years until I get to the presidency. She could be four years away, if not sooner. It-
1: yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to put all your cards in Donald Blythe's basket, all your eggs in Donald Blythe's basket, um, you know, I, I see that we have an inept president upcoming whose name is Donald.
0: And, uh, you know, it, it's not that different from reality, possibly. <laughs> on House of Cards, on House of Cards. Yeah, house, that's what I meant, House yes. of Cards. <laughs> so, then, in terms of Claire Underwood, what do you think is the better scenario for her? Does she want to prove herself now and hope that Frank gets better, Or do you think that now she is best served for Frank to not recover? I mean, I think she doesn't have Frank standing
1: in her way if he doesn't recover. And I think Frank is, you know, Donald Blythe is not an adversary for her, just like he's
0: not an adversary for Frank. But you think that she could become a player in the 2016 Democratic primary then at this point?
1: No, I think I think you're right. I think she would. You know, I think Blythe would run for president. She would be his VP. And that could still happen even if Frank doesn't die. I mean, if Frank is six to eight weeks away from recovery,
0: that's a lot of time in campaigning and he might not be able to campaign. It's a lot of time. I'm not sure exactly how the rules go, but I mean, part of the process that is supposed to happen is that you need to amass a certain amount of delegates to win the party's primary when you get to the convention. Now, If Frank Underwood doesn't make it, I would think Donald Blythe would inherit those delegates from the people in the primaries that voted for Frank Underwood. Claire, if she starts her own campaign, would be starting with no delegates, would be way behind in sort of the ground operation. I just wouldn't think that she'd be able to mount a campaign. It also takes a long time as we talk about like, oh, these other people that could be third party candidates getting on the ballot, like they need to be really mobilizing at this point because there's all these signatures to get onto the ballot. So I don't think that Claire running her own campaign outside of the Blythe Underwood ticket is a real plausible scenario for 2016.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. The, the more I think about it, that doesn't make any sense. But she is in a very good position to be Donald Blythe's vice president, especially if you know she really proves herself helping him make decisions. And uh, and she could, you know, if she did do that, she behind the scenes could be uh, really influencing policy and influencing the country and, and getting a lot of experience under her belt to be positioned to go against Donald Blythe and season eight or nine of House of Cards. Because
0: the big knock on Claire as a vice president for Frank, as we saw in the beginning of the episode, was that, you know, people don't like that they're married together. Less than 10% of people approve any sort of relationship between the president and vice president, but with Donald Blythe, that would not be part of the problem. And then Claire, who's a woman, who has popularity, I think that she would, she's younger, she would really balance out the ticket pretty well. She could deliver Texas, and maybe some other states in the South. I'm not sure where Donald Blythe is from originally, what state he represents. But I think that that could be an intriguing ticket for people, and especially she would have so much goodwill as the widow of the president if Frank Underwood doesn't make it. But I think that none of us expect Frank Underwood to not make it, right?
1: Right. But what if Frank is so incapacitated because of this that he can't run? He, you know, he's He's injured. He can't be president. He can't move. He's got to be under, you know, he's got to be under hospital care for a really long time. I mean, I think there's a lot of scenarios actually. The more we talk about this where Frank doesn't run anymore because he can't. He's too, he's too hurt. And, uh, Claire carries the, the flag for Frank carries the mantle as Donald Blythe's running mate.
0: So you think that Frank Underwood could be incapacitated to the point that he can no longer serve as president or he needs to go into rehabilitation? I just feel like that. I can't imagine that this season goes that far off the rails where we're going to be seeing Kevin Spacey recuperating for most of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that he would see, you know, he's not going to be um, in a coma or anything for the whole season. I think he'll be awake, but I just could see there being a way where he just physically can't do it. Um, He lost three quarters of his liver, they said, and um, he had a six hour surgery. And and did you notice where Frank got shot by the gunman? Where? Right in his abdomen, right where that dream of Claire stabbing him with the glass happened. Oh, interesting.
0: Very interesting. All right. I have a couple other things I want to talk through with this that I need you to help me figure out. So the note that Claire gave to Leanne to deliver to the president in person. The note said about how Super Tuesday, she's going to announce that she's filing for a divorce. What were the terms of that? That was if Frank doesn't make her the vice president, then she will be doing that. Or her terms are non-negotiable. She's being named the vice president. And on Super Tuesday, she's announcing that she would like a divorce from the president.
1: No, I think it's got to be one or the other. I don't think it's non-negotiable because it, it wouldn't make sense for him to name her the vice president and then say we're having a divorce, even if the public opinion is that they don't want a married couple to be president and vice president. And so they could say, we think it's more important that we can run the country than be married. I just, I, I think it's, she's trying to threaten him and she would drop this news on Super Tuesday because what a damaging day to drop that kind of news on him. Yeah. It's like if this guy is so bad that Mm -hmm. his wife is going to announce that she's divorcing him on the biggest day of the primary, there must be something really wrong with him.
0: I feel like that Claire and Leanne aren't really too good with this stuff because I feel like that they're always trying to do stuff on the day that people vote. Like, I feel like the day before people vote is probably going to be better or at least like two days before people go to vote because I think a lot of people go vote in the morning and like uh, Claire Underwood is announcing that she's divorcing the president. I'm not sure necessarily how many people like would hear that news before they went and voted and have that sort of time to decide about that even like the South Carolina thing and I felt like that that was weird to drop it on the on the day of the vote that that stopped people in their tracks enough and I thought that Frank's response to it also just going back in hindsight was also super slow about that like you would think that he would want to sort of like get out in front of that really quick and he's like no 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 let's think about this let's think about how we want to handle this like the well, polls are closing at seven so you know tick tock Mr. Underwood
1: yeah no that's true I think it maybe that's just a TV trope that if they say, we're going to drop it the day before Super Tuesday. Super Monday. A,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, as a, as, a, um, as a TV show, it's like, oh, that's what, the Monday before Super Tuesday, Super Tuesday Eve. I mean, it, it, you just say Super Tuesday and you're like, all right, I feel the gravity of this. And yeah. they don't want you to think too much about
0: it. Was this a major tactical error on the part of Doug to recruit Mrs. Underwood to come and have her talk to Donald Blythe?
1: I mean, I guess so. I think, you know, that's probably not a great idea to get Claire involved. But at the same time, Donald Blythe was not getting it done and he needed something. And at this point, it's like, okay, potentially this war between Frank and Claire or potentially a war between the United States and Russia. So we got to figure this out. The one
0: thing about this whole Russia situation that I didn't understand, I didn't know why they couldn't say, you know what? Let's bring Milliken back. Let's land the plane. Let's think about this for a couple days. Like I didn't understand what was the ticking clock where Milliken needed to be delivered to these people by a certain time or something was going to happen. Why couldn't they just bring the plane back and say, hold off on this? There's been an incident. The president has been shot. Let's just think about this. We'll get back to you guys next week. Maybe I know the plane was in the air. Why couldn't we just sort of land the plane back somewhere? on U.S. soil, where we could then just think it over for a couple days. Uh, Is it because
1: the plane was running out of gas? It's like speed, where the plane's got to keep going, and if it runs out of gas, it's just going to crash. But we
0: can get the plane to China? I mean, it seems like that uh, Russia and China are not exactly— I mean maybe in 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 certain parts so like it's it's close enough but we don't have like an air force carrier that we could land the plane on if we need to. I mean this is a super executive order. Well, it's a secret plane though.
1: Yeah. China's definitely a lot closer than the United States is to Russia.
0: Sure, but we don't have any friendly country where we can land a plane if we need to. If it, like you get a call from the acting president, we don't have an ally that we could land a plane at and say, "Hey, hold on, uh can we just gas up and get the heck out of here?"
1: Yeah, I mean if you're like, you know, Cambodia or something over there and they say, "Hey, we want to land the plane here." are you just gonna be like oh, okay like there's no diplomatic issues that this is going to cause
0: and, and there's not a guy seeking asylum I mean, we're landing a plane unannounced in china yeah that sounds like a terrible idea There yeah. no, they're borders. That. so uh my geography is not good there are places that we can land a uh, that russia and china do share a border uh in a couple places uh that being said we can't land the plane in japan japan won't say or south korea I mean, I don't know who Russia's allies are. Maybe they're allied with all of we those We can't countries. get back to Alaska? Uh, I don't know. Call Sarah Palin. Ask her <laughs> if she can see Russia from her house. You would think that we would have some alternative where we could say, hold off on this. Wait, hold on. Let's, <laughs> let's just, let's, we, 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 can we just get like uh, like two days on this? Give us 48 hours on the Millikan <laughs> thing. See, now you sound like Donald Blythe wanting
1: more time. It's like, no, you gotta, if you're president, you gotta make a decision hey, now. If I don't like the way the table is set, table is
0: turned over. Wait for your reservation for an hour if the table is not set. (laughs) Yeah. So this uh, Underwood, Claire Underwood and Blythe alliance is an an unholy alliance. And, you know, this really has backfired on Frank where he wanted this weak minded vice president. And now here comes Claire Underwood, which has just come in and just completely manipulated this situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, too, like if you want to talk about tactical errors, I think You know, tactical error getting Donald Blythe to be to be vice president uh, in the situation like this happening, And, and and you know Frank couldn't have known he was going to be assassinated, but the craziest stuff happens in this show. This is a world where lots of really crazy things happen, and the vice president becomes important. It's probably not good for the country that Donald Blythe is now running the country.
0: (laughs) Probably not. Uh, What did you think of Frank's idea to go and talk to the protesters? Do you feel like that? Was that a major miscalculation from Frank Underwood?
1: No, it reminded me of like a callback to season one when we had the teachers union protesters outside of his event. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did really like the sign that said, F you, Mr. President. I thought that was good. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I liked Blunderwood. Also, that that would be a good hashtag for those protesters. Some creative sign
0: writers that are out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I remember seeing something that they were calling for extras to be protesters, and I wonder around DC. I wonder if that was the that was the scene they were filming.
0: Maybe going back to Lucas. Now that Lucas is dead. Now that Lucas has tried to assa- assassinate the president, or has at least shot the president of the United States with Lucas did also the possibility that Frank Underwood gets blame for the death of Zoe Barnes for the death of Pete Russo. Is that also dying with Lucas Goodwin?
1: No, I don't think so. I think no matter what happens, you know, if Dunbar gets kicked out of the race or or expelled from the race or, or brought up on charges because of her connection to Lucas She's going to be even more motivated to research this. And now it's like somebody has the torch and it was passed from Zoe Barnes to Lucas. And then it was passed from Lucas to Dunbar and it's just, it's like the Olympic torch and um, it's not going away. I think this is going to be something that will follow Frank around for the entire show. And I could
0: definitely see it being what brings him down when the show is finally over. No, I have to say that I think that this is way too toxic for Dunbar to even be involved with that. She was talking to this guy that was such a radical that he went and actually shot the president of the United States that I don't think that Dunbar can make a case or a career out of saying like, no, but he had a good point. Did you realize that was Lucas when it happened?
1: No, I did not. See, I had that written down. I said, oh my God, I think that's Lucas. But then they kept saying, you know, unnamed gunman. And it just seemed like it was going to be an anonymous Uh, uh, guy. I think once he fired the shot, I knew it was Lucas that when they showed him with the gun, you could tell that was Lucas.
0: (laughs) My notes at this moment say Underwood protesters, you're ruining our country. Crazy Lucas, all caps. President Underwood shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I have Lucas fires gun event, but then I
0: was unsure for a little while. No, no, because it wasn't revealed right away. Yeah, I knew it was him. Now, where was Frank Underwood when this happened? Now, Lucas was set up in Ohio. Uh,
1: I wasn't sure where. I think this event was in D.C. It was. It was at a fake
0: college. Boy, in DC. what did Lucas have to do to get a car down to D.C.? Yeah, that's like an eight-hour drive. Yeah, and there's Boy. a lot
1: of toll booths to go through. I mean, like i don't know there's i wonder if we'll find out more about that <laughs> i don't know i don't think so <laughs> i feel like this storyline is probably done you don't think now we're gonna follow around the guy who works at
0: the rental car place no that was that was lucas's backseat buddy i don't think so i mean to me i feel like that this storyline right now is a little reminiscent of the sopranos now zach i don't remember do you have a uh a good memory for sopranos I've seen the first three seasons and okay. I know kind of what happens throughout well, it. Well, spoiler alert that in the final season or it's like a two-part final, they did like the two-year final season that like Breaking Bad did. And in that two-year final season that there is a moment where Tony Soprano is shot and there's this whole dream sequence episode of Kevin Finerty, and there's a whole, it's like a two-part episode where Carmela is by Tony's side and Silvio, the second in command on The Sopranos has to run things while Tony is down. Very reminiscent of the whole Donald Blythe fiasco. And Silvio ends up like, having a heart attack during all this because he's under oh, too no. much stress. And, yeah, and Carmela does not come and be by his side to help run the mafia during this. So that's where the similarities end. But I do hope that we don't have a couple of episodes now where President Underwood is in a dream sequence now.
1: Yeah, I uh, I was thinking that as you were explaining that episode. Yeah, I like it when they do that kind of dream sequence episode in some of the shows that I've watched, but I, I do not want it for this. I want this train to keep going. I feel like we spent so much time setting the table for this event to happen. Now I'm hoping this train is full speed ahead and we're just going to get boom after boom after boom with exciting events happening. And I, I don't want to be taken out of this world. And House of Cards doesn't seem like the type of show that would do that, uh, but... I guess Sopranos isn't really either, so.
0: So call your shot on this. When do we see Frank Underwood back on his feet? Oh, I think he wakes up no later than the end of the next episode. The end of chapter 44. I wouldn't say necessarily that he's
1: back on his feet, but he's definitely awake.
0: Yeah, I think that he might be sort of like, oh, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? Up until probably the last five to ten minutes of the next episode. Yeah, we can't have two episodes without Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Although I did really like
1: in this episode how we kind of got to see all of the other role players step up and get their chance. It's kind of like if, you know, if, um, if Steph Curry is injured for the Warriors and we get to see the rest of the players step in and, and we see some of the guys that the average fan doesn't know that much about.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, while, while Steph Curry is on the mend, who is the Donald Blythe of the Golden State Warriors?
1: Oh man. I, I don't know. Like Anderson Vergeau or, or somebody <laughs> who's really not very good. Uh, definitely not clay thompson or draymond Green. is steph curry married he is married and he's got a kid
0: yes and is his wife angling to be the coach of the golden state warriors
1: like his wife is hoping that he doesn't recover from his knee injury <laughs> yes
0: yes because she couldn't be the coach of the warriors if he was out there playing actively like nobody would respect her then
1: yeah, I guess a better example would be how Steve Kerr was injured for the first half of the season, and Luke Walton stepped up yeah. and did a really good job coaching, and now he's going to be a head coach somewhere next year.
0: Okay, we're losing the non-NBA audience at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's
1: it. That's It was just a very good metaphor. I wanted to make that.
0: <laughs> All right, let's talk about Seth also, because Doug really pointed the finger at Seth here in this episode, and Seth was like, oh, maybe it we'll was still Meacham. Like, nah, it's not Meacham. Do you think, is Seth back in the fold after this?
1: Uh, no, I think Seth's stock is still pointing down and, uh, it's a good thing he wants to cash in that insurance. Cause I think he might need it, but he might do it. I could see him cashing in his insurance too soon. And then the Dunbar campaign ends and Seth is really screwed.
0: Yeah. Don, cause Dunbar is Dunbar. <laughs> yeah. That also might be the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what else for chapter 43? Because I can't wait just to go back and watch chapter 44.
1: Um, so, you know, we got a little bit of Claire's house in Texas Mm -hmm. and we saw that right after the note was delivered about having the divorce, Claire's house was locked down and they said there was a threat on Claire's life.
0: Yeah. Great point. And
1: I thought that that was just Frank manipulating the situation, and it still might have been. But then, right after that, we get Claire's or we get Frank's assassination attempt.
0: Yeah, I mean, there should have been no credible intelligence that Lucas was not in any sort of conspiracy. There's no way that the Secret Service knew about that. What do you think was going on? Was Frank up to something with going and going after Claire, or just making sure she couldn't be? moving around or just cutting off her chain of communication while he was thinking about what to do.
1: Yeah. I think that was his plan. It didn't really make a ton of sense. The way it was kind of told is that story. Uh, but I do wonder, you know, is this like the secret? Did Frank put out that there was a threat on their life into the ether and then the threat on their life happens? So
0: yeah, that was a Chekhov's threat on your life.
1: Yeah. The secret yeah.
0: off secret. But what do you think about Claire's mom also saying like, Oh, I hope he dies.
1: Yeah, I wrote that down. I thought, you know, she did a good job in her limited role. I'm actually, I didn't like her at first, but I'm starting to really like her character. She's just very cold-hearted, and um, I, I appreciate that.
0: Well, Leannis, hey, what was that noise? Is oh, it's just my mom killing lizards, and then she <laughs> threw a lizard at, her and she says, "Oh, watch out! There's blood on the floor." So again, more foreshadowing of blood.
1: Yeah, um, we had the blood coming out of the faucet. We had the blood on the floor. So. You know, blood, blood from Frank. There's blood on the ground after Frank and Meacham were
0: shot. So so we were talking about this in sort of big picture, but we didn't really get into the details of this. I was bringing up that. Is it better for Claire if Frank doesn't make it? Will Claire act in any way to ensure that Frank doesn't make it? Does she finish the job that Lucas started because it's better for her?
1: I just can't. I mean, she might think that, but it's really not better for her if he doesn't make it. Um, I, but I could see her thinking it would be. And, and do we see a scene where she's in there with her with her pillow over his face or she puts some some drugs into his IV and, and tries to kill him? I think it's a very bad idea. I think because it's House of Cards, I don't think it will work because we're not going to lose Kevin Spacey five episodes into this uh, season. Mm hmm. But. I mean, could she try it? Sure. I mean, I while it's a good he's idea. in
0: the most critical of condition, you would think it wouldn't take much to lose him.
1: No, I'm, I'm. I mean, he's he's in critical condition. He's lost a lot of blood. She's the one person with access to him. Yeah, and she'd be the prime suspect.
0: Oh, I don't well, think maybe that. It, I maybe mean, the prime if suspect. we heard something where it was like, God forbid, a president was shot, and that the president was in surgery for six hours, and the president was in critical condition, and the president didn't make it. I don't think anybody would think that the first lady was the prime suspect for who took out the president. Yeah, that's true. But
1: um, I, I just imagine she's in there with a pillow over his face and somebody walks in the room or something <laughs> like,
0: oh, I, it's just <laughs> I was just fixing his his pillow. That's all just fixing it. Just fixing yeah. it. Yeah. okay all right so why don't we go ahead and let's go ahead and get into some of these questions from the listeners unless you have something else you want to talk about before
1: i mean i just i i wrote down that leanne kept checking her email while she was driving um when she was talking on the phone to doug this is early on in the episode and obviously not a big plot point but i just thought that was very stupid and she shouldn't do that
0: yeah and in terms of leanne is she now officially on board as the underwood campaign
1: manager i mean i Yes. So I don't know if all the paperwork was signed before Frank was killed. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen with the campaign. Yeah, this is I mean, Super Tuesday. They talked about in this episode. So it's got to be coming up probably in the next episode. I mean, Frank's got to he's got to be back soon if he wants to be campaigning for this uh, for the presidency.
0: And I'm still just not sure if I understand the terms of the arrangement between Underwood and Leanne and Claire. So I think Frank and Doug thought that they were just buying out Leanne from underneath Claire, and that she was going to be the campaign manager. But but Leanne handed in the note. Hey, if you don't make me the VP, I'm going to divorce you on Super Tuesday. And it didn't seem like Frank was like, "Uh, well, the deal's off. Like you know, he just seemed like okay.
1: Yeah, I think he uh, figured that he would be able to make a decision on that uh, a little bit later and wasn't expecting the protesters to be so protesty. Okay.
0: They were very protesty. Yeah. May, they doth protest too much, I even think. <laughs> too much. Way too, too much. much protesting. Uh, I had one
1: other theory I was going to bring up earlier and uh, I didn't get a chance to. So, in the last episode, we saw Frank and Meacham share that drink together. And it was kind of like a, a a nice moment between them when Frank realized that Meacham wasn't the leak in his office. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I can't remember if we've seen Frank pour a drink for somebody else and they've drank it. But I'm just curious if that was like a some sort of foreshadowing that, that Frank poured Meacham the drink and then the next episode, Meacham was killed.
0: Well, we saw just in, I think, episode 41 when the First Lady came to the White House, uh, Frank Underwood pours her a drink. And, and she didn't take a sip of it. She didn't take a sip, but she held it. Yeah, but she didn't drink it. Okay, yeah, I don't and know. We saw
1: we saw the faucet with the blood coming out of it. I mean,
0: it's... Cursed drink?
1: Yeah, it could be. I mean, let's... I, I don't know. I mean, you know, just something to think about.
0: Yeah. Something to sip on. <laughs> no, don't sip on it. <laughs> what is this, like uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> don't drink from the Carpenters' cup or him. <laughs> Or meet him. Okay. Oh, man. His magical hands will always be commemorated in the Oval Office in the White House. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, what if the next episode just starts with them with a white paint roller, just roll it right over no. his hands? Well
0: yeah, then well, maybe Frank Underwood didn't get a chance to explain what was going on there. They're like they're like, uh like uh, oh, Donald Blight's like, uh who vandalized the White House? Look at this. Paint this, paint this, get this right. over with.
1: The one decision he can confidently make is that he wants to paint over the
0: vandalism in the White House. Yes. Nice work, Donald. (laughs) All right. Let's get into some of our questions. Of course, uh, you can email us after each episode you watch, hoc at postshowrecaps.com. Make sure you put the chapter title in the subject line. And I know some people are sending in episode four, episode five. Uh, Try to use the Netflix chapter title. We are talking chapter 43 right now because that's what I search for in my inbox. And so why don't we start off with... Steph B, who says sad about Meacham, had to take a break after this episode. I really wanted to see the Underwoods fight over him. <laughs> wow, <Ooh. laughs> Three Trim Part Two. Yeah. Uh, so, did you think that that was going to happen? Did Claire uh, call Dibs on Meacham? No, I mean Meacham was loyal to Frank. Yeah, number one.
1: But it is it is sad. I felt bad when they called his parents too, and they were. I mean that you know in real life that would just be so sad.
0: Aaron has a question who says, what did you guys think of Frank being shot in the middle of the episode? It caught me off guard as something that significantly usually would be saved for the very end of an episode since being able to immediately watch the next episode, having that scene in the middle of the episode carried a lot more shock value. RIP Meacham. what do you think about having that in the middle of the episode?
1: I loved it. Uh, like I said, I really liked how, you know, the second half of this episode was all of the role players getting to step up and play a larger role and, uh, I thought it was, it was really unexpected. Um, it, you know, I, I, saw him go over and walk over to the protesters and not for a second did I think, oh, he's about to get killed.
0: But not for anything. I feel like that the history of house of cards, I mean, give me off the top of your head. What are the three biggest deaths in the history of house of cards?
1: I mean, Pete Rousseau, that was at the end of an episode. Was it right at the end? Yeah. Cause Frank closes the garage door and the episode
0: ends. That might be the only one that's at right at the end of the episode. Zoe Barnes is not at the end of the episode. Yeah. This is not at the end of the episode with Meacham. Rachel sure. does not get killed right at the end of the episode, uh, the end of the last season. And that's
1: not a big death also. Let's not, let's not put her in the same sentence. I think as it's in guys. the top
0: five. I think it's in the top five uh, deaths on this show. Well, there's has there been more than five characters killed on this show?
1: <laughs> I think there's been some more characters killed. Xander Fang, would you put him above Rachel? <laughs> Did he Rachel? die? Uh, yeah, I think he was killed. I thought he got arrested. Oh well, I mean, if they're going to China, we might see more of him <laughs> if he's still alive. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, that was you didn't think you didn't make that China connection when they said that. I mean, I two. wasn't thinking uh, Xander Fang. Yeah, Xander Fang, Raymond Tusk. Are we just gonna we gotta fill the the Lucas and Meacham roles in with some characters? So yeah,
0: maybe we'll see a return. Okay, Zach, do you have an email?
1: Yeah, I got one from a uh, fellow post show recaps host, Antonio Mazzaro. Yes, and he says. So knowing what we know about what Lucas had to do to get the car, what in the world did he have to do to get a gun?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> was it Leanne's gun? <laughs> it wasn't such a tiny gun. No, I don't think so. Yeah, we don't. We don't want to know what Lucas had to do to get the rental car to get the gun. Uh, just trust us. It was uh, more than uh, you would want to. Yeah, paid a heavy it, price.
1: Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that's one of the deleted scenes that can stay a deleted
0: scene. How about Meacham, <laughs> that he took out Lucas before ultimately dying? Yeah, that how I don't know that what that a hero. whole thing was. Yeah, it was very. I guess if you were actually in that
1: situation, it would all be a blur too. But um, good, good for or good for Meacham and um, he went out a hero. Okay. So Antonio also asks, what are the chances that this was something Frank somehow staged? Seems odd he asked Meacham any news to which Meacham responded, everything's secure, sir. Was this regarding the unspecified threat on Claire? Is that threat related to Lucas's seemingly wild lone gunman
0: act? I feel like that there is almost zero chance. I might even say there is a 0.0% chance that Frank Orchestrated this. He lost his number one guy, his most valuable asset. He would have to get Lucas in on it. Lucas, we've seen nothing to show that Lucas is actually trying to work with Frank after all this. So I think mean, there's no chance that he's actually in on it. I think that maybe when he's asking Meacham what's going on, maybe there actually was a threat on Claire's life.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I would say there's a 0% chance of that happening too. And I like to throw some wild theories out there, but. Um, that would just be, I mean, that would be way too hard to swallow.
0: Yeah.
1: And he didn't even know Lucas was out. I mean, no,
0: no, yeah, no, there's no chance. Andrew Um, has a question. Wants to know Robin Zach before the season started. Zach called Meacham taking a bullet for Frank in the death draft. And in the chapter 40 recap, he said he didn't think Lucas would make it out of the season alive. So tell us Zach who's dying next. Who else do you have your sights set on?
1: Oh man. Oh, I have to make a prediction. Yeah. What do you Um, got? Let's go with uh, Elizabeth Claire's mother. That's kind of an easy one. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid call. Yeah, I I, I mean, I don't want to press my luck too much, (laughs) but it is nice to be right right about some things on this show.
0: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Then uh, let's take a question. This is from uh, Spencer Y. People were asking if this was Spencer Bledsoe on Twitter. No, it is not. Uh, Spencer Y. He wants to know about with all the intrigue involving the election campaigning. I thought that this plot point was unnecessary with the Russians, but with what happened to Frank in the episode, will this subplot be the tool that Claire uses to crush Frank or elevate herself into serious consideration as VP material based on Claire's aspirations? Would it behoove her to screw over Frank and do a stellar job and make him look good?
1: I mean, I think if she does a stellar job, that's gotta be the number one goal. This is like, You know, if your coworker or your boss is out on maternity leave, and so you're stepping up for a little while, you're stepping up for a few months and taking on some more responsibility, you want to crush it. You want the American people to see that you are a bright shining star and you should be vice president and someday president.
0: I think that she's going to try to do a good job and she thinks that this China plan is going to work. And I don't know. Do you think how do you think this is going to go? Because we've seen sometimes that Claire has these ideas and they don't go so great.
1: Yeah, I feel like don't pick China as the place we're going to land. Uh, We've already had issues with China in the past on this show. Uh, That's I mean, it, it can't be random that they pick China. So I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. I think pick somewhere a little bit smaller, a little bit more remote. Uh, let's not ruffle any feathers here.
0: Yeah, or even rustle them. Because yeah, neither. Kathy is saying, don't do this. This is a bad idea. And I do feel like that as the writers use Kathy, I feel like the more often than not, Kathy is a person that we should respect what she has to say. She knows what she's talking about. So when she's saying, hey, this is a bad idea, I don't think you should do this, And now other people are saying all the military advisors are saying this is a bad idea. Don't do this. Should we believe that Claire knows best?
1: No, I think Claire is just trying to shake things up. She's trying to make a big move. And I do not think this is the right big move to make.
0: What if Claire makes a huge mess out of everything? How does that affect this show?
1: I mean, that would also be really interesting. I just, I mean, she already kind of did that last year, though, when she was um, ambassador. Mm hmm. So
0: I, it might be kind of retread if she did it again. Yeah. So, mean, where does Claire I, go from here if she just screws everything up and nobody likes her?
1: Uh, I mean, then she just goes with the emotional angle of being Frank's wife, where he's dead or on the mend. <laughs> Frank just wakes up, and is like, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Frank is Borat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Last question Johnny De Silvera, bringing us home. He says, I went back and checked the scene where Walker and Frank were looking at the painting on the wall. And Walker is sitting on the same side as Meacham in this episode. I was going to ask if there's any significance for this and Meacham later this season. And we got to find out the answer in this episode. Rest in peace, Meacham. Uh, What did you think was the significance of Walker sitting in the same chair that Meacham sat in?
1: Well, they're no longer in the White House and they're no longer going to sit in that chair anymore.
0: Yeah. One of them, Frank, wanted out. The other one, Frank, desperately did not want out. So both are gone from the show. I'm excited for the,
1: uh, the scene where Frank wakes up and learns what all has happened. Cause he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know any of this. He doesn't know Meacham's dead. He doesn't know Blythe is president. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even know he's been shot probably. So Meacham's um, I, gone. I'm ready. I'm ready for the moment of realization for him. Lucas shot him. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got one other question. Actually, it's a pretty good one. Yes. So this one comes from Megan Z and she says, what do you think is the most shocking house of cards moment to date? And where does the shooting rank in rank high in your books?
0: I would say that the Zoe Barnes thing is still number one. I'd say this is number two.
1: I think Pete Rousseau is number one. That really was the moment that kind. Of, I, I was like kind of lukewarm on this show. It was Lucas a game on show. Yeah, you were that Lucas where, warm. Exactly. That was the one where I was like, ooh, that is that is awesome. And I I like Pete Rousseau as a character. Um, and I'm glad the actors got on to be a it pretty It wasn't
0: Pete Russo on the radio
1: show? Oh, yeah. Drug. No, actually, yeah, you're right. That, that was the moment. And then that was kind of part A. There's like part A and part B. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, uh, I would say probably for me, the power rankings are one, uh, the three chum. I think that was uh, a real game changer. Yeah, that uh, was what
1: Megan said was her number one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I think that I'd probably put it, where we go, uh, that you're right, that was the first thing that happened that was really crazy, that you could see that Frank Underwood, is what he's capable of. I, I still say Zoe Barnes is still past that. Maybe you want to say that's two and this is three, but I think that probably two and three are pretty interchangeable.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's probably about right. I do feel like, and we've been talking a lot about an assassination attempt, I think if you go back to our, maybe even in season two, we talked about it, I just think it was something that We were always expecting to happen on this show. that There was going to be some kind of assassination or assassination attempt. Um, I was thinking after this episode, if this was like an ABC drama, the trailer for this would be, you know, the moment that shocks America or the the moment that changes everything with really dramatic music and – It's kind of nice that we didn't have a preview to spoil this.
0: Yeah, I think it was an interesting call, though, that the show didn't telegraph what was going to happen. We didn't see Lucas trying to get a gun. We didn't see Lucas sort of like uh, lurking in the crowd or anything like that. So the show really played it from Frank's POV, and I think that that was a smart way to do it. Really was a shocking moment.
1: That was great. There was one camera angle where it was kind of between people's arms and it was it looked like somebody was peeking through, but it was really brief. And then right after that, we saw Lucas shoot him. So um, we didn't get too much of a tip off.
0: Also, uh, big props to Robin Wright, who directs her second episode in a row, and she has a lot of heavy lifting to do. Really would have been a lot easier if Kevin Spacey was directing this episode because (laughs) he was sort of out of commission throughout the whole second half of it. So that would have been a good spot for him to direct. Maybe we find out the next episode is directed by Kevin Spacey, but I don't believe that that's the case.
1: Oh, man. What if the next episode is directed by Kevin Spacey and it's a weird dream episode (laughs) and everybody says it's the moment when House of Cards jumps the shark?
0: Now, look, now, how can you say that the show jumped the shark when it was the first time I'm ever directing the show? (laughs) Yeah. Where is the shark? Yeah. Is is he up in a tree? There's no sharks in Gaffney. So we obviously weren't jumping the shark. (laughs) 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 If it jumped the shark, it's because it's the episode that I'm not in the most. (laughs) Or is it a lot? Because it's a weird dream episode. Yes. All right. Let's get down to brass tacks. So, oh, hashtag,
1: want to go water Lucasgate? <laughs> I mean, there's so many good ones. There's hashtag D-O-N-E bar. <laughs> there's hashtag curse drink, hashtag gaffy shark. Yeah, this but.
0: episode has to be water Lucasgate. I'm all right with Water, Water Lucas Gates. <laughs> okay, let's do that. So there we are. That is our chapter 43 recap. Uh, lots of good stuff here. Can't wait to get into chapter 44. And this is a standalone show. I think that we're probably also going to have chapter 44. is going to be a standalone show. Still waiting for some feedback from you guys, whether you like, that we did 41 and 42 together here in the podcast feed. Of course, you can subscribe to the podcast feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. We always appreciate your comments as well on dot com. Zach, anything else before we sign off for chapter 43?
1: I just can't wait to get back into it. This episode, it, it was tough to have to wait a whole day to talk about it, but um, I'm glad that I'm glad we were able to devote a whole episode to this because so much happened and it. I, I'm, I'm lavin this season. I'm lavin <laughs> it.
0: Is that a callback to the Lisa Gavin shipping name in season three? That would be that. Yes. Good, good job by you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Send us your emails, hoc at postshowrecaps.com. We'll be back with our Chapter 44 podcast coming up here on the House of Cards Post Show Recap. Take care, everybody. Bye.